You're listening to the Platte River Bard. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Platte River Bard. This is Chris Berger. And I'm Sherry Berger. And we are here today with Matthew Gutchick. He is the artistic director for the Rose Theater, and he's here to talk to us a little bit about the SpongeBob musical, which they are doing very soon coming up at the Rose. Thank you, Matthew, for talking with us today. Yes, thank you. Thanks for letting us chat about it with you. Oh, this is great. So this is is Broadway's award-winning hit that you guys are doing. Yes, SpongeBob. (laughs) Yeah, it was um, put together by Tina Landau, um, who was actually one of my teachers. I did a program um, in Chicago called The School at Steppenwolf. And so she taught this method um, that was sort of like an integrated movement method called viewpoints um, that she kind of um, not created, but codified with um, Ann Bogart. So um, back in the day when I heard that she was working on this musical, I thought, oh, it's going to be so full of ideas. Um, I can't wait to see it. Um, so I got to see the out-of-town tryout for Broadway in Chicago, and it was just as much fun as I expected. Oh, wow. Cool, cool, cool. And, you, and you're and you not from Nebraska, right? You're from... From a suburb of Chicago. Chicago, okay. Palatine, yeah. Not so. that far east. Oh, great. And you went to the Yale School of Drama. Yeah, they technically call it now the David Geffen School of Drama at Yale, oh. which is oh. too much of a mouthful, so <laughs> right. I, I feel like... Fair I'm leaving enough. at the Yale School of Drama on my resume. Fair enough. Oh, that's good. Everybody knows what that is, and yeah. You, and you've been with the Rose for, well, a little over 10 years, right? So Yeah, it'll be 10 years in September. Oh, that's great. Almost 10. So why did you decide to do this musical then? What was the draw for you? Yeah, I mean, at first the draw was the combination of SpongeBob, which is, a, of course, a universe that a lot of kids are familiar with right. because of the Nickelodeon program. For sure. But then um, they put this together in a really interesting way. Instead of having a single um, book or book writer and composer and lyricist team, they went out and hired a bunch of different artists who you know make contemporary music to craft this um, score. So in the original production, you've got music from Steven Tyler and Joe Perry of Aerosmith, Uh, Sarah Bareilles, um, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Yeah, Lady A, John Legend. Um, Oh my gosh. All over the map. And David Bowie, before he passed, um, contributed a song to the musical. Wow. And one of the things that's kind of fascinating about that is you hear all those names and you kind of go, oh, it's going to be like a a jukebox musical. It's going to... sort of feature all the sounds of those artists. And while that is kind of true, they did a really good job making it all feel like it's consistent mm-hmm. and like it all is okay. um, stylistically coherent. Oh, wow. um, but you can still listen to some things and go, oh, that sounds like a John Legend, you know, vocal mm-hmm. riff, or that right. sounds like totally a Steven Tyler, Aerosmith, um, mm-hmm. you know, driving rock beat kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really fun in that respect. Oh, nice. Who gets the Bowie song? Um, I forget, actually. <laughs> oh I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to look that one up. I, I, have, I have not heard the music from this thing, and I'm now I'm fascinated. <laughs> I'm like, which one did Bowie write? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I like David Bowie. I also like Sidney Lopper. Oh, no, I love Sidney Lopper. I'm just I'm fascinated by 
I did not realize that uh, that that the um, that the songs were composed like this. I just yeah. I, I heard it was a you know big time Smash musical. Everybody loved it. It was a great job, but I hadn't heard any details about it. Yeah, it's got good variety to the music, and I would say um, to my ear, it's got a ton of you know songs with good hooks and sort of like hummability to it. Um, sure. Even if folks that might be listening to us don't know a song from this musical like they might know some of the big songs from like Dear Evan Hansen or whatever, you know, right, um, right. if people choose to come see it or check it out on Spotify or whatever from the Broadway recording, it's re- it really gets in your head. It's it's great music. So it's original songs by Yolanda Adams, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry of Aerosmith, Sarah Borelli, Sin Colton, Axe Ebert of Edward Sharp and Magnetic Zeros. Those I've never heard of them. The Flaming Lips. Ah. Lady A, Cindy Lauper, John Legend, Panic at the Disco, Plain Panic White Tees, They Might Be Giants, T.I., and Songs by David Bowie, Tom Kenny, and Andy. Wow, it's just packed. Andy yeah. Paley. Wow. It's going to be a lot of fun, huh? So, yeah, and that might be a good way for parents or grandparents yeah. to introduce kids to some of these artists if they love them, you know? Right. It's like uh, my dad, we used to do breakfast with the Beatles on the weekends, so he'd kind of make pancakes. We'd have to clean the house, but we would, you know, rock out to the Beatles the entire time. Excellent. That was kind of his way of getting us interested in them. How fun. And you've got just a... a a, a kind of a kind of a big cast you've got nine people um mm-hmm. lo- lots of lots of young um okay. young people from around the area i've recognized a few of them mm-hmm. so how does this this also has a story element to it so how does how does that kind of integrate with the music what is the story geared yeah. towards so our hero spongebob yeah. um really wants to be um the manager of the Krusty Krab. And so um, when SpongeBob, um, you know, doesn't get that opportunity um, because Krabs um, says says SpongeBob isn't really up for it, um, SpongeBob is, you know, wounded by that, of course. Simultaneously, we're finding out that Mount Humongous is about to erupt. And, um, you know, the mayor seems not up to the task uh, we're not really sure what Plankton and Karen's role are in the um, the eruption, the imminent eruption of the of the volcano. Um, but what we come to is that SpongeBob, Sandy, and Patrick, um, using Wit's brain brawn, um, end up solving the problem and saving the day. So it's really a story about <laughs> an unlikely hero um, making good, saving their community, and um, and then, you know, when they return to that community, being viewed differently. Um, mm. So SpongeBob gets to be the manager of the Krusty Krab at the same salary that he was making before, which, of course, is just fine for SpongeBob. <laughs> of course. Now, one of the things I'm thinking of, because I haven't actually seen this, so is everybody's in costume. They have to be, right? Everybody is in some oh, yeah. kind of crazy costume, which has got to yeah. be great. You know, for Squidward, we've done some cool stuff with, um, kind of almost puppeteered legs um, or extensions of the um, the actor's body, and then um, 
you know, the folks that are doubling into some of the ensemble singing mm-hmm. um, have a ton of costume changes because there's so many oh, musical gosh. numbers in this that need a little bit of choreography support to them. Sure. Um, you know, uh, Squidward spends this entire time wanting his moment in the spotlight. And when he eventually gets that, it's kind of the big, the big show-stopping um, tap the number. It's really fun. Excellent. So. Oh, excellent excellent see tons of tons of costumes on everybody and uh colorful costumes too oh well yeah from what i recall it's just yeah yeah. so zach kloppenborg who designed the costumes for this um and the um, hair and makeup um responded to the director sort of inviting the team to think about the concept of tiki disco um so like a tiki bar disco um and that's kind of uh, I think the costumes will embody that pretty perfectly uh, for anybody who's seen images online. That's yeah, awesome. <laughs> How fun. Well, the shows are always so much fun when, when uh, the whole family can go and really enjoy it. And one thing that we noticed at The Rose is that you all have a way of really engaging kids. Mm-hmm, like, sure. there there were times that I was just shocked that the kids were just quiet and they were watching and they were completely mm-hmm. engrossed in what was happening on yep. stage. And when, but when the songs happened, they all knew the songs <laughs> and they all sung the songs and they got up and danced. And then when the songs were over, they got back and they paid attention. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, wow. How did this, this is happen? Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty amazing. I mean, the, yeah. um, this musical is really going, I think for the bounce in your seat, dance along kind of, energy but there are definitely those shows where you can hear a pin drop in our theater which is still quite large yeah and it's always surprising and really gratifying when you get both kinds of reactions for sure right i mean it's, it's got to be just part of of the art of of doing it because it's just so hard to keep their attention you you have to know what you're doing yeah exactly. <laughs> you know what no, you're doing you guys do such a great job and uh it's 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 really a fun atmosphere um, yeah, you, you almost wish adult shows. audiences kept the uh, the freedom to vocalize y- as yeah. the performers into adulthood, because I think overall that would be a good thing, you know, like, yeah. you think about what we imagine the performance conditions were for a Shakespearean play, <sighs> and those plays are really, they're really written to have the audience kind of mm-hmm. vocalizing back to the performers, sometimes mm-hmm. frequently, Yes, you know? for sure. Um, and you sort of get that rowdy energy at the Rose. <laughs> yes, it's, it's but it's really great. It's a really great energy, and uh, yeah, no, and I'm, it's such a pretty theater too. Yeah, and it's a gorgeous theater. Yeah, as well, but yes, of course. I I just love all the different ways that you you engage kids and kids of all ages, keeping them all engaged and and uh, for sure and happy. Yeah, yeah, we're doing a um, sensory friendly show on September 10th, and uh, we also will be providing audio description services on September 10th. Oh, awesome. So what is one of the challenges that you've had? So you've got nine really talented local mm-hmm. actors that are helping you with this show. What's been what's been kind of your, your biggest challenge putting this together? Um, I think the only thing that comes up as the biggest challenge is figuring out what the right scale is for some of the design elements. Mm. Um, the kind of slot that we put this in, you know, yeah, there's nine ensemble, you know, nine cast members. Um, and... This is in a slot where we, you know, wouldn't typically do like a 30 person musical, but yet some of the way that the piece is written almost calls for frequent scene changes and all the rest of it. Our designer, Tim McMath, 
um, I believe actually worked on the original production of this. He's part of the design studio with David Zinn, who was the Broadway designer. Um, and it, in the Broadway version, which folks can see on like Amazon Prime, I believe, um, it's definitely a maximalist approach. I mean, for example, at the end, um, they threw confetti cannons at the audience, bubbles, they had it snow on stage. They oh, were just wow. like doing everything they could to acknowledge that we were in a theater and the SpongeBob world is just kind of maximalist in that way. Okay. Well, you know, at the Rose, we want to have a little bit more of a, a container on it, so to speak, um, with the, uh, you know, amount of money that's being invested in the set and all the rest of it. And so the question there is, how do we get the most bang for our buck? And mm -hmm. so this designer has done just a magnificent job. I mean, the set looks perfectly like it's totally, totally underwater when you walk in. Oh, and what the designer chose to use kind of thinking about both what would make it feel like that, but also what would be an interesting use of an unconventional material. Um, all of the, what would be normally curtains when you come see a show at the Rose mm -hmm. are actually blue tarps oh, wow. um, that we have customized with uh, like tiki print painting. I mean, it's really, really painstaking. Our scenic painter um, went through and did all this work. Um, to make that full stage truly feel like an underwater tiki bar. Mm. Um, but it's like deeply intricate. And uh, I would say that that is kind of a challenge is finding like the right, the right balance between a Broadway production that was um, just huge. Yeah. And right. how do we, how do we honor the silliness, the inventiveness of that, but um, also bring it to Omaha in a way that feels like it's different from that Broadway production. For sure, yeah. And I was actually really curious about, especially setting costumes on this, because it is, I mean, it's based on a cartoon, and you want to keep that very colorful, very stylized uh, part of it, because that's that's what everybody's expecting to see when they come see a SpongeBob thing. And so, yeah, working with the makeup, with the costumes, and fitting that set frequent scene changes i was actually curious it's so so it's not all in the crusty crab they're running around other places and doing other yeah. stuff as well yeah so we've got a lot of rolling platforms and stair units and that kind of thing that feel like they um can be can indicate multiple locations sure, um sure but then there's plenty of surprises like the way that we're doing mount humongous i think is just Excellent. so fun and inventive um and you know like there's a moment where Patrick jetpacks into the uh, into the volcano or towards the volcano <laughs> that's being rendered in a really creative way with lights and stuff um, to sort of give it a theatrical effect. So there's a lot of theater magic in it, but there are some Fine. things that we're trying to do totally within view of the audience and um, in a sort of storytelling way, visually. Yeah. It's really an art form all on its own to come up with these different ideas to make things work. Yeah, it's it's always good when there's a couple surprises there. And I think that this, this design definitely achieved that. You know, we should mention the run dates are August 26th through September 18th. And, you know, folks can, we've just kind of revamped in some ways our website to kind oh. of better integrate with our ticketing software. Oh, cool. So when folks click on the icon for SpongeBob on the um, Rose webpage, they can immediately click on a, the performance that works for them to book tickets. There's no like drop down menus anymore, that kind of thing. We've made that whole thing quite a bit easier. So your SpongeBob is being played by Ronnie Shelley Perez. So you have, you yeah. have a, a you kind have of a... Um, Omaha theater royalty at this point, I think. You know, she, uh, <laughs> She's got, you know, a voice that could stand up anywhere in the world and yeah. Um, yeah. comedic chops to, to play this role. I mean, she's doing this like vocal affect that 
it's so funny. Um, and she like scratches her shoulders up to sort of uh, look a little bit more square and sponge-like, if you will. Um, <laughs> I say, that's a, a heck of a performer, voice. Oh, yeah. To, to... A performer who's new to us, but um, certainly not to millions of online followers, is um, the individual playing Plankton named Jaden Hollinger is known online as Jay Nadaj. And Jay Nadaj is kind of a comedy video phenomenon. Um, yeah. I knew about Jay's work. Um, before Jay auditioned for the show. And when we were doing a callback, we were like, Jay, why does your office have so many wigs in it? And Jay kind of goes, well, I'm actually, my day job is as a social media influencer. And sure enough, you know, when you look up Jay Nadaj, you're like, whoa, so, so creative, so funny, kind of mix of lowbrow, highbrow, satire. I'd really encourage folks to check out Jay's videos. And we're just really, really fortunate that Jay was interested in auditioning for this show. Ooh. And so um, their spouse has gotten them plankton attire that Jaden has worn every day <laughs> to rehearsal. Or every day that I've been there, Jaden has been wearing a plankton-themed <laughs> clothing item. So they're, they're just really, really into the role. Oh, how fun. How fun. So you've got, you've also got Joshua Orsi as, plays Patrick. Yep, and Joshua is... Uh, fabulous comedic actor has done stuff around town but does things at the the back line and was last the um the beast in our production of disney's descendants last yes august yes Yes. indeed and jafar in that production yes yeah yeah i worked with him on uh christmas carol last year what was he in that uh he was a beggar oh nice beggar yeah that's right Trying to think, bah, bah, bah. yeah, because I because I had just seen him in The Descendants, and then he showed mm-hmm. up at uh, the Christmas Carol stuff, and I was like, oh hey, weren't you Jafar? And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. I thought that was you. <laughs> and then Candace Gould is playing Sandy. Yeah, and so. Candace was last at the Rose playing a role in Giraffes Can't Dance um, mm. this spring. So that's how we mm-hmm. first became familiar with her work, and she's just doing from the runs I've seen, just an awesome job with Sandy. You know, Sandy's a character in this musical that, because of her brains, is not necessarily fully appreciated by the rest of the community um, <laughs> until until she really, it's her invention that more or less saves the day. And so that's kind of an interesting subplot inside the whole story is, you know, is Sandy going to stay part of the community of Bikini Bottom or not? Because hmm. they're not always very nice to her. Oh. And then Trey Mendelik plays Squidward. Squidward! Yeah, and Trey is doing the Squidward voice so perfectly that, like, high class, like, trying to be almost like an East Coast waspish kind of thing. It's just very, very funny. And and to, like, have that character just want to have a moment of spectacular cabaret-esque stardom is is deeply, deeply funny when it finally occurs. So. <laughs> I love it that, that they're doing the voices, you know, do, everybody's got a voice going, but singing with your voice with your your funny little voice that you're doing i think is a special skill onto itself (laughs) and i don't think just anybody can pull that off and it's impressive that everybody's doing that it i i I think that's hard yeah just not sing as yourself singing the voice well because like a lot of things (laughs) that we would do to constrict our voice like you know if you were to try to talk like kermy or something you're actually like constricting your voice a little bit and so then when you try to talk like Kermie, but sing like Kermie, yeah, now it's going to hurt because you're going to be like, 
constricting your uh-huh. your vocal folds mm-hmm. and simultaneously trying to get more air to pass through them. I don't know how they do it. They're magicians. I know. I think it's a, a, it's a separate skill being able to sing in a voice. I think it's amazing because mm-hmm. not everybody can do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then Anna Jordan is playing Karen. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, Anna, you know, is just a total chameleon. I mean, from dramatic work, like the Blue Barn, years mm-hmm. of doing Nebraska Shakes, and, and all of that. Also a very, very frequent star on the Rose stage doing work like uh, she was Curious George when we did that production a couple of years ago. Okay, she's like okay. perfect at it. So yeah, mm-hmm. she's a total like Brando-esque chameleon. <laughs> you just like <laughs> never know, never know what you're going to get next from her. That's fantastic. <laughs> and Angel Hernandez as the mayor. Yeah, so Angel, fun story about Angel. Angel was our lighting and sound apprentice last season and has a long history as a a performer back to high school and that that kind of thing. And, um, you know, we had no idea that he was interested in being in the show, came to auditions and was like kind of pretty clearly the right one for the role. So really, really fun to see somebody with a skill set that spans technical theater and performance get to show off that performing side in this instance. Yeah, just maybe, maybe, um, maybe they were just a little bit not sure if they wanted to be on stage until they got comfortable uh, there. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> That's one way to do it: get involved in the technical piece. And Carl Hauser plays Krabs. Mr. Krabs. Yeah. So Carl is someone who. Honestly, comedic genius. I think also a big improviser. And he's done a ton of shows at the Rose. Was also in Giraffes Can't Dance this past spring. Excellent. I think the first time we worked with him might have been maybe Judy Moody. Maybe it was something earlier. But, um, you know, every time he he shows up on stage, you know you're going to get, like, the best comedic timing as a technical matter. And then, like, a generous collaborator in the room. Somebody who shows up, leads with kindness really wants to make everybody feel like they're part of a party in rehearsal. And so, yeah, it's just a delight to have in the room and really engaging, obviously, as a performer on stage. And because of that improv background, one of the people you'd most want to be on stage with yeah. if something if something goes wrong. Yes. If you went up on a line, yes. I'm pretty sure Carl is the person who yes. would find some more artful way of feeding you your line than being like, don't you mean to say? Yeah, um, exactly. You know, yeah, like, yeah. You would find some way to integrate it into into a you know mm-hmm. a game or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. And then Hannah Rembert it plays uh, Mrs. Puff and Perch Perkins. Yeah, and Hannah's new to us, but has I think a history of performing around town. I think she graduated from UNO. Just a magnificent voice obviously trained for classical performance that kind of thing but very comfortable inside the pop rock stylings of this particular musical as well okay and so yeah i think she's holding down the soprano line through a lot of the sh- a lot of the the harmonies that this music might call for at times so what a great cast you've just got nine mm-hmm. really talented people on stage and i know you've got lots of talented people behind the scenes as well but it sounds like you've just got a, a really good cast that's going to engage okay. the audience okay. and yeah. and at any age so oh yep. yes yeah can't wait um 
folks that might know this piece, we are doing a TYA, Theater for Young Audiences, distillation of it. Mm. So it's really only going to be about 75 minutes long. There's no intermission. Okay. And so that kind of means for those that like SpongeBob, but might not, might not want to spend two and a half hours with SpongeBob, this is your experience. Like, <laughs> it's, you're in and you're out. You have a couple of like deep, deep belly laughs and a ton of fun. And you remind yourself that the world is a good place. And yeah. then you, you are you are spit back out on the 20th and Farnham with the rest of your day in front of you. <laughs> so it's a, it's a wonderfully timed out production. Excellent. That sounds perfect. Yeah. Well. Great family show. Yes, exactly. And now this all starts August 26th and runs through September 18th, of course, at the Rose. Yes. Thank you so much for talking to us today. It's always such a pleasure to meet you. And thank you for everything that you do for the sure. arts community and especially those families and those kids and serving them with some of well, these just really fantastic productions. Thanks for uh, shining a little light on them. Oh, Absolutely. Happy yes. And and happy upcoming almost 10th anniversary there yes. for you at the Rose. Thank you. Yes. Almost there. <laughs> thank you very, very much. Matthew Gutchick. He is the artistic director down at the Rose Theater, and they are gearing up for the SpongeBob musical. Thank you for listening and supporting the arts in the Platte River area and beyond. Please subscribe to our podcast so you are sure to catch all of our future episodes and join us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Music for this podcast was used with permission by Screaming Skull Productions. See you next time on the Platte River Bard.